tonight as the field disappears without a trace. Henrik Stenson grabs golf history at the British Open. Queensland wins state of origin. 325 insults to 315. Will the bad blood affect the kangaroos? Coach Justin Lepich, a lion hanging on by his claws. Mick Fanning survives a drone attack to win at J-Bay. And the Firebirds too good, despite the best efforts of our special guest, Shani Layton. Yes, we're back. Another dose of the back page line. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think women aren't strong enough, but we just feed the world. Their senses are dulled. I got pucks in the back of the head regularly. It's just unfortunate it was from a coach. Yes, hello sports fans and welcome to the show. Let's get straight into it with Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. Hello and welcome my friends. And on this side, long-suffering Hawthorne fan, Jules Schiller, alongside Sydney Swans number one ticket holder, Adam Spencer. Yeah, Feel the love You're holding up? You alright there, big guy? It's been 11 months since our last premiership. Doing <laughs> 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 it really tough. Just last question, Tony. Let's yes, move on with the let's show. Move on. Well, we'll get back to that game very, very shortly. So much to get to. But let's start with the most important thing in sport, the fan. And we have found the greatest ever. Now just watch the range of emotions of this little Pittsburgh Pirates champion. He's riding his team home. 18 innings this game went for, so all the way through. Look, here's the winning <laughs> run for his team. He gets deep. No, there it goes. Oh, no. Thrown into the air, overcome with emotion. That, ladies and gentlemen, is sports. Thank you. Good night. I thought he'd gone the M&Ms a bit early there at the bottom of the 28th inning. That game went for five hours, 48 minutes, 18 innings, and that little kid was... In it and they the think way. AFL's a long game. Wow. <laughs> I've, I've been in relationships that didn't last that long, <laughs> but were about that emotional. <laughs> Especially with the bottle when you're chewing. All right, what a way to win your first major. Sweden's Henrik uh, Stenson. He held off Phil Mickelson shooting a final round 63 to take out the British Open. Now, he's the first Scandinavian man to win a major. 20 under par total. That's the lowest ever for the event. He's an absolute hero. Abba reforming when he comes home. <laughs> Winner takes it all as it comes off oh. the airplane. Oh. Amazing. It, it, look, it could be the best round of golf ever played. That's a nice shot too. The boys at the end of the round, arms around each other. If you said to Phil Mickelson he was going to shoot 65, he'd say, I'll win this by three. He lost it by three. But to me, by far, the most interesting story is the backstory of Stenson. When he went near broke, he lost all of his savings, $10 million dollars, and was a shell of a man for about three years. You could look and you could see it. He couldn't eat properly or sleep properly. Most people thought he... Many people thought he was gone. And to come from there to perhaps the greatest round of all time, fantastic. And the gap between the front two and the rest of the field. So it yeah. was this incredible battle between the two of them yep. and everyone else just watching from 
a ridiculous distance away. What about our champ of the week from two years ago, two weeks ago, Greg Chalmers, beaten by just a cool old 41 shots? Yeah. That's incredible. He was the last man in, last man out, Chalmers. Yeah. <laughs> he just got into the game and he came last, of those who made the cut. Mm. But as you mentioned about Stenson, it's really nice to see that he was looking so happy this week because his history in the majors has been littered with temper tantrums and broken clubs. Now, this was yeah, at the British Open just a few years ago. Uh, hits a shot Jeez. and, as you see, and... Snap, there it goes. It, it does it at the majors. US Open, uh, another broken club. Uh, here he goes, bang, and it goes. And hurts his hand as well. He oh. just, there is a lot of anger in there. Well, it's, it's nice to know, Crash, isn't it, that you can have a tanty every now and then yeah. and still prevail and win at yep. one point in time. But that's really relevant footage because there was a school of thought that when he went bottom up financially, he couldn't get around out of his own way. He was so angry and tried to make things happen. And a lot of people, th that's such relevant footage. And there'd be many more of those incidents in lesser tournaments. On the back page, we have a broken club file on yep. no other golfer, but we've got one on Stenson. <laughs> Seriously, that's how often he does it. <laughs> exactly. We might be able to add to that, though, because there were cranky golfers at Troon over the past few days, like Thomas Peters. Now, look, he's desperately unhappy with his approach shot. You see, he hits the shot there, bang, snap, <laughs> into the bushes goes. The thing is, you watch him do it, bang. Where the ball ends up is what I find most intriguing. He's hit the ball, he's thrown that out there. It actually goes on the green about four metres from the flag. OK, oh, yeah. so he's a perfectionist. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that tell you the weirdness of golf? You yeah. duff three in a row yeah. and sit there really cool and calm, then hit a good one and go snap, yeah. you know? That performance from Stenson, it's all the more impressive when you see how unforgiving Royal Troon could be now. Particularly, it's very famous, the eighth hole. England's Paul Howard, look, he hits the uh, tee, thinks he's done a great shot. It's at the par three. It's called the postage stamp, oh, small yeah. hole. Down it goes. Not oh, just, yeah. well, oh, just yeah. at least I've missed the bunker. Come back no, the I didn't oh. miss the bunker. Back in the it comes. To... And it's a deep bunker yeah. as well. See, it gets worse from there. That's him hitting out of that bunker. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh no. Where are you going? This is, this is just mini golf. There's a windmill there. Is that right? They call it the postage stamp. <laughs> it's as long as the 110 metre hurdles at the Olympics, and yeah. yet it just destroys players. <laughs> I'm always on the lookout uh, for a new personality player to follow as John Daly kind of disappears from our lives a little bit. Now, I, I among others, have found England's Andrew Johnston, known affectionately as Beef. For the interview with Sky Sports yesterday, I said, what are you going to eat tonight? I said, Caesar salad. I had this one geezer screaming Caesar salad at me for about the first six holes. It was funny. It was funny. <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm just a normal guy. And that, um, who happens to play golf, you know, I'm, I'm no different to anyone else. And that, and that, that's how I see it, you know, I'll, I'll talk and chat to anyone. Jules, do you love beef as much as me? I love beef. Uh, yeah. He's the guy most likely to put his uh, golf club and make it a shish kebab during the tournament. <laughs> he, he's overweight, he's bearded. He, you know what, he, just, he goes around and smiles while he's playing. You don't see that. You, we just saw golfers snapping their clubs into This guy's enjoying it. Yeah. Well, it's refreshing, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, golf needs a bit of character as well. Yeah, I mean, sports needs characters all look quite around. But, you know, since the days of Tiger Woods, and they're all very serious these and days. And fit. Tiger sent yeah. everyone to the gym, but there's a new generation now that are going back to where they were, Tone, and what about his club? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Beef, if we have a look at his club, actually, it is terrific because he obviously makes known that he does like... Uh, there, there he is. He's got the, uh, the, <laughs> the filling me on, <laughs> the porterhouse skirt. He's got the brisket, the sirloin. Well, because he, he finished in the top ten and picked up quite, like, 180... 
thousand Correct. or something. And that, yeah. that's a lot of Caesar salad. <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> all right, given the state of the world, it's probably not all that surprising that uh, Rory McIlroy decided to take no chances on the golf course. Uh, the bulletproof vest, uh, <laughs> a, a very <laughs> safe option. I, I <laughs> John Four. Daly looks like that in a fitted T-shirt. It's the born identity. <laughs> you expect you to come abseiling out of a chopper, chip one in and get back out? <laughs> uh, it wasn't what Zach Johnson was wearing. It was what wasn't there really that I liked. Now, look, uh, he acknowledged the crowd, obviously, is the thing to do. You touch the peak of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> It's a greenie, fella. It's a greenie. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, let's move on from That's the goal. Suddenly, State of Origin got interesting a week after it finished. <laughs> now, everybody hates everybody with claims of bad sportsmanship, disrespect, lack of class and grubby name-calling. Here's how it unfolded. It's pretty disrespectful, uh, I thought. Um, I think that uh, just typifies what their team's about. We're taught about respect where we come from. Do you think it's at an all-time high, the bad blood between New South Wales and Queensland? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Maintain it was not intentional to disrespect Cameron. You talk about disrespect. You've only got to look back in game two. And the end of that game, Jonathan Thurston looks directly at me and says, F your blues. I think a few of them, four or five players go off at Andrew Fafita and Aaron Woods. It's like there's two sets of rules. Mm. Nya, 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 nya. It's very ugly. Chris, they walked away from the presentation ceremony. They'd won the game. What's wrong with that? I, I, I thought they should have stayed. I, I really did. But what gets me is an origin. Isn't it a classic the way, you know, you have to be one of the toughest, fiercest sportsmen on the planet to play it, yet afterwards it's sort of, oh, I'm so feeling so fragile. They said we played crap. You know what I mean? Like the same blokes who are indomitable in that. But... In a way, I think the series needed it. You know, yeah. I walked around Parramatta in the hours before the game. Normally, you see 50, 80 jerseys from different, uh, the two teams. Not one. Not one jersey. Interest was fading. This will flow into next year. It'll actually be... It's juvenile, yes, but it'll work for next year. I just don't understand what this respect is all about. Are they meant to go up and say, pretty the good, sir, I dips my lip? <laughs> I mean, these, like you say, they went to celebrate with their fans. This is the problem of having a dead rubber... Uh, and having a, a presentation, presentation in front of a hostile crowd. New South Wales won an exciting game. They went to their fans, the people who pay their money, the people who are there to support them. Your theory is it should have been that should have been given out the week yes. in the Melbourne game in front of those, in, in the Brisbane game, game in front of their home crowd. Yeah. And if Corey Parker's big on respect, mm -hmm. possibly elbowing guys in the head first tackle on coming off the bench isn't the best way to engender that sense of respect. There, there but is isn't that. that stuff that happens on the field? I mean, and that will be dealt with afterwards and, and whatnot. And the New South Wales the... players ignored the Queensland players it... on the field. Well, well, having... So Paul Gallen said, oh yeah, but he said, he said, you know, he said this and he said that. What, he didn't answer back? He was a choir boy on the field? I, I thought don't. it was I thought it was completely disrespectful. You I love the You won't see the fans a couple of, you know, minutes after. Cameron I... Smith you is never there want to speaking, see your opponent... he's acknowledging. Do you know what, Tony? Until they actually respect the, the opposition... They'll never beat them oh. in a series. They completely oh. disrespect Back us, Bucky. When I play my brother in pool, if he's on the black ball and he's got an easy shot, I walk away. Yep. I refuse to watch yep. him have any glory in his victory. Oh. Yep. <laughs> All the eyes of Australia are watching that. And that was just such poor sportsmanship. And, and, it's and also the fallout afterwards has been completely juvenile, childish, petulant. Well, the question that has been asked then is how they come together playing for the Kangaroos, these New South Wales and Queensland teams. And Cam Smith, who was launching the Rugby League World Cup, Alongside Mal Meninga, he was keen to hose the potential conflict down. 
I've been playing for the Kangaroos since 2006 and I've never had any issues with, with players playing for Queensland and playing for New South Wales uniting when we come in to play for the Kangaroos. Anyone that struggles with getting a, a call up to play for Australia and leaving that stuff at the door, they probably shouldn't play there. I tend to agree. I think that's what will happen. They'll play OK, won't they? Well, sure. yeah. I mean, he had to say that, didn't oh, he? He oh, can't he say did. anything else. But don't you think, Crash, there has to be a little bit of a division? And do they pick Paul Gallen? Because am I well, right saying the yeah. last Australian game... He was he man, was of, man the of the match? match. Th that, that's the big issue. There's a school of thought, because it's at the end of the season and uh, he sort of... That's him for state of origin. He shouldn't get picked. But what if he captains the Shark to a premiership? You have to pick mm. him then. But I, there's been ruction. And I've got to say this. It's all right saying, oh, I've never seen any problems in the Australian camp. Tell you what, they've been going really ordinary for a few years. I mean, they, they've had a, a dusty couple of years, you know. I'm confident that when those Queenslanders and New South Welshmen come together in the World Cup to take on our traditional rival, Lebanon, <laughs> <laughs> all will be forgotten. All will be forgotten. All right, look, uh, we'd seen... This is getting back to the game. We'd seen the film before New South Wales leads and uh, tries to hold on. Queensland breaks their heart by scoring in the dying minutes. Well, five minutes to go, that's where it was. But someone changed the script. It's Michael Jennings. He scores in the last minute to win the game. Give Aaron Woods the chance to go absolutely viral. <laughs> viral with his failed celebration attempt. How good is that? I've got it, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I love the way he sort of pretends to celebrate like he meant it. Yeah. You, know, you know when you, you trip over something? You yeah. Yeah. And go, Nothing was near a moment ago. And then the great image of Jenny's just sort of walking away by himself going, yeah. if anyone wants, yeah. Yeah. I, I, have to go, I, I am here. <laughs> He's a good character, Woods, I reckon. Like, when we are leaving the ground, he was actually walking out and had just been alerted to it. And he was laughing. He said, I've said, I'm just going to cop it all week. But, yeah. but was laughing along with it. Well, to make him feel a little bit better, uh, we thought we'd show you some other embarrassing celebrations. Uh, look, we start... This is sort of another case of that poor timing. Uh, now, scores a goal. That's good. What's the guy coming in from? Way! <laughs> 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 big time Superman stuff. Then, look, this is, of course, the old oh, premature oh, celebration. No! <laughs> <laughs> Arriving, not so much. Uh, and look, he still thinks he's got a shot. <laughs> oh, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. From the NHL, in an emergency, break glass. Here uh, you go. Again. And look, this one, uh, the slide's very popular. Just don't plug, I think, is the answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Remember Jason Bright, bit over renovations there. Thanks, Jason. Not content with one knockout in the UFC. Uh, take out the camera operator. Oh. <laughs> Swinging from the crossbar as the goalkeeper. Always good. Always good. Simple. Uh, and look, and it's tough when you don't stick the landing here. Oh. <laughs> That's worse than Aaron Woods. Up one more time. Oh. And down I go. So there, Woodsy, you are not alone. All right, then, Corey Norman has again been stood down this week after his conviction for drug possession, despite some reluctance from the Eels. Clearly, that's the right decision. Well, the Eels, I guess, in some kind of disarray, although it has been made official as of today that the New South Wales government has sacked that board. We heard about it on Saturday, and it has actually happened. Administrators have been placed. What are your thoughts? Oh, I just reckon... Well, it starts with the law of the land. Gee, I think they're pathetic. I mean... The guy's been done for drugs and gets a... You know, drugs are a huge issue in our society. An $800 fine. That is pathetic. That, and here's a guy who's worth about $800,000 a year. It's just ridiculous. So it starts in the courts, their softness. So rugby league should come down hard on him. I would have thought, in line with the Mitchell Pearce suspension, a suspension of about six to eight weeks, he needs to be taught a lesson, Tone. He needs 
to be sitting on the sideline and burning and missing the game because quite clearly his life has slipped off the rails well, rather badly. I just badly. wonder whether the club hasn't suspended him yet because who's in charge? Yeah, well, well, who's that's calling the, the shots? It is the lawless society I mean, there. It's well, a fascinating power play that's happening at the moment. We heard the news today that the board has officially been sacked because the NRL's called on the state government to say, come in and help us clean this up. And but the first thing that goes is discipline. And, and, yeah. and that's why one of the reasons why he's running amok. Yep. What I heard was Corey Norman made an extremely brief court appearance, but the good thing was he did film it and post it on Snapchat <laughs> in case you missed it at the time. Exactly it's right. interesting, Tony, because I guess the NRL's always had that stance, hasn't it, with once a play, you know, that innocence until they appear in court. Yep. Yep. So he was allowed to play until he appeared in court and pleaded guilty. Yep. And now they've said, okay, that you know, we've set the standard and not playing last weekend or this weekend. Yeah, which is different from the way that the Swans approach it, because it's a similar thing, obviously, uh, with Michael Talia, who was uh, found in possession and charged with found possessions of illicit substance, and the Swans immediately decided to stand him down. Now, obviously, it's slightly different because he has been injured for some time and only played one game, uh, and it's not as if he's their peak player, but still, in terms of protecting that club's culture, and it's an important move, isn't it? And the Swans have stressed that that's not in any way prejudging the legal procedure. Correct. He's also surrounded by welfare. Correct. It's been spoken about at the club and other members of the club have let him know that if that has transpired, how they feel about it. And But I, I, you hope also, while the legal process is very important, that there is uh, welfare around people according to those it situations. Is, yep. I do feel for... I mean, not, you know, trying to defend drug use, but you've got players who are injured, not doing anything, with a lot of money. The temptations that must exist... You know, in, in 20 years ago, they had jobs, they were studying. Um, you know, clubs really need to be mindful of those young the, players the who are more at risk than the most. The discipline that's required to embrace the rehab in the dungeon for 12, 16 mm. weeks of doing 2,500 of those instead of just 1,500 of those is... The players who stick to that all the way through are quite remarkable. You've got to remember, I totally agree with you, but at the end of the day, he's broken the law. He's oh, yeah. doing something yeah. completely oh, if, illegal, if he has, something he shouldn't absolutely. be doing, and you have to protect... Well, he's alleged to have broken the law. All right, what about the, the Broncos player? We're talking this is an extortionate attempt now, which is, is kind of the rage at the moment, isn't it? You find some way of get your photograph, get your, your camera out, and you film them doing something. This is, again, allegations of drug-taking of a Broncos player and trying to get money out of the club to uh, in terms of not showing the video. Yeah, two sides of it for mine. One, gosh, players are slow learners. You know, at a pub, you yep. do this with every person being a citizen journalist with a camera on, on its side, Jules, as you like <laughs> it. Yeah. And the other side is, Tone, aren't these blokes scumbags who sell these things? I mean, they turn up, they protect their own identity by going through an intermediary trying to sell it, but they're very happy to expose the player. My heart's not going to bleed for a player caught in these sort of yeah. things. They've had a million warnings. Exactly but right, I just Chris. hate these blokes. Do, everywhere is a TV studio. Uh, everyone is a camera. That's the sad reality of it at the moment. Do you think the NRL has to now do two TV rights deals? One for games in HD and one for grainy <laughs> iPhones for players taking drugs? Just so we don't have this bidding yeah. process. Despite our opinions of players themselves, now Roosters coach Trent Robinson, he reckons the NRL should get on the front foot to protect the privacy of its players. Have a listen. The NRL need to step in and they need to make that public that, that you're not allowed to sell this on and we will go after the individual uh, that does this. And, and that, that's protecting their players. How? How do they do that? Oh, How I'm can confused. They do that? So they want to stop people filming. What power does the NRL I'm not sure what he's stop doing but, that? Uh, what can the, the NRL do? Exactly. No, yes, it's no. I agree. Grubby behaviour, players shouldn't be putting themselves in that sort of position anyway in the first place. But how do you oh. stop it? You can't stop a media outlet no. from buying it. 
Can you imagine the players of yesteryear? Oh, my goodness me. Like, pre-1990, some of the old... Keith Miller. I'm glad, Keith, the, the great debonair playboy of the 40s, He'd be looking up somewhere then and said, mate, I lived in the best time ever. Hardly up in that era because you've got the camera on a tripod. And yeah. like, Just keep doing it, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> Tipped for the hold spoon. Up, hold up the flash. Yeah. Tipped for the spoon. The Gold Coast Titans are flying, beating the Dragons to find themselves in the top eight. And veteran Greg Bird is now heading toward the top three. The top three most suspended players in the history of the game after that hit on Gareth Widdop was huge. He's up there. He's just one away from getting uh, to second. I don't think he's ever going to catch uh, uh, Hopawati, John Hopawati. I think he's on 45, but still, it's a great record, isn't it? Great record. Look, this is an interesting story with a few facets to it. One, teammates love playing with him. Good yep. old-fashioned hard-ass. Two, it's a guy who never learned his lesson and who never changed. And three, you know when you're the naughty boy at the back of the class, you do get done on suspicion a bit. 80% of that he's right for, but they're sort of, uh-oh, here comes Birdie, clunky old Birdie again. There'll be a stiff arm here somewhere. It. <laughs> Look, it is conceivable he could catch John Hobawato, but out in front again, Roger Rogerson, completely. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to touch the Dodger. Allegedly. <laughs> to, to AFL, so much interest in the bottom of the table clash this mm. weekend with Brisbane and Essendon fighting for their second win of the season. That is Lions coach Justin Lepich fighting for his job. Kel, is that where we're at? Uh, yes, indeed. I believe that is where we're at, uh, particularly when you consider if they lose to Essendon. I mean, uh, this is the Bombers that have got a makeshift team in 2016. And since uh, the day that Lee Matthews stopped coaching this club, we've had Michael Voss in charge for five years, Justin Lepich in charge for three years. It almost feels like eight wasted years. And the flow-on effect, particularly in Queensland and in Brisbane, where you desperately need success to, um, I guess, to win, to, to succeed and get the fans involved. I mean, the lowest crowd at the Gabba on the weekend was extraordinary. 10,000. I mean, we used to say when the Lions absolutely bottomed out, they got 18,000. They got 10,000 the other day. But... Here's the question to our AFL people on the panel, all three of you. The decision to get rid of Lepic would seem to be relatively straightforward if they keep going down this path at the end of the season. But who replaced him? That's the hard one. Well, if you look at history, it's got to be a Hawthorne assistant coach. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Beverage for the Western Bulldogs, uh, Cameron for Greater Western Sydney. Uh, who else have we got? There's, there's a couple more. Bolton at Carlton. They're all assistant coaches. There are, there are yeah. several of the teams towards the top of the AFL who have very, very good quality assistant coaches of several years' experience. You could find people of the ability to do it. Finding someone willing to do it yep. is another thing altogether because it's four or five years to turn that mob around and get him even a chance of playing finals football. All right. He, uh, he does sound, though, like a man under pressure. Uh, listen to him. This is before the Giants game. He's talking about the stories of turmoil at the club. That annoys me uh, when my players cop it. Uh, I don't like it, particularly when it's a bunch of bullshit. So that kills me, but I can cop it. So bring it on. Um, big and strong enough to, to handle it. Um, and to be honest, I don't really rate the opinions of those that are speaking. He's angry, Kel. Yeah, oh, no, that's a man under pressure, isn't it? And yeah. he's just the cracks are starting to show. I actually think their list is not too bad, but there's the real go-home factor and they're not happy. And at some point, that has to reflect on the senior coach. Brendan Bolton has proved this year that you don't need to be a premiership coach to come in and change things around. You don't need 
a Mick Malthouse necessarily. So the assistants waiting in the wings, Stuart Jew at Sydney, uh, there's Adam Kingsley exactly. at St Kilda. There's, exactly. there's always a coach waiting to take up you that opportunity. Brendan Bolton. No matter the result, uh, Brendan Bolton, he's a happy soul. He's upbeat, he smiles. Uh, doesn't mean he doesn't lose it in the coach's box. He just has a good manners to cover the potty mouth. <laughs> he, he's, he's probably saying, Bolt it Did Rodney Eid start that trend? I think he did. Does John Longmire John do Longmire does John Longmire's very isn't good at that. It's I don't think Rodney Eid no. 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 ever worried about that. Long before them, Stephen Warren, the old-fashioned... <laughs> 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 Sydney's problems finishing close games continued with a last-minute long bomb from Cyril Rioli getting Hawthorne home uh, on Thursday night. Uh, Adam, this wasn't so spectacular to watch, was it? Oh, look at this. 55 mm. metres out. Uh, <coughs> what a well-won game. One on skill and endeavour the Hawks. Mm -hmm. it, it was an amazing kick and from an incredible player and Hawthorne deserve all the success they've had over the years with the list they have. But yes. You, you, and, and I should preface anything, I'm wearing my bias on my chest, I'm the Sydney Swans number one supporter. Yeah. I can't be objective about no, this. No, of course you can't. AFL umpiring is really hard and you can't have the glorious game without it. Oh, come on. And, and, and You're not going down this path. <laughs> yes, the, great thing about AFL, the great thing about AFL is the vast bulk of the time, as opposed to NRL, results are not directly affected by the umpiring. You can't look at that game with a free kick count of 13-3 to three at three-quarter time, mm -hmm. with two goals directly from 50-metre penalties, one of which the AFL themselves admit was, was a mistake yep. that goes within five points and not... This, is, this is here. I, you know, Kieran Jack just got it wrong. Just, just he was already in the protection zone. He's not even understanding he's running the rule. Towards the player. Oh, he can't problem, disappear like Star Trek. The, just... <laughs> the problem is, if this had happened in Adelaide versus Fremantle and they'd won by 40 instead of 60, it'd be fine. This is the top of the table clash yes. that will. It, this is the single the, game that will have the most impact okay. on whether Hawthorne win four the, in a row. The problem and unfortunately, is, it was the time when the umpires got a few wrong. That's the, the frustration. Yep. The problem is at the end of the game, and it happened against the Bulldogs, it's happened against Richmond, Sydney look about as comfortable as Pauline Hanson on a Kentucky tour to Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> They're just... Adam, the umpiring was rubbish. Oh, I, I should, I I should finish both... that, that by saying I didn't see the game. Run Hawthorne! Yeah. <laughs> you both sound like Paul Gallon. You both sound like sore losers. No, no, you're killing... Oh, you can, you panic. Don't disrespect me like that. I'm not even talking to you for the rest of the night. Yeah, you have Hawthorne. to occasionally be able to suggest whether an umpiring did affect a result without being labelled the same sort of, you know, if you lose by eight and you go, but there was a free kick in the first quarter that could have changed it all. No, they couldn't. Hawthorne have kicked clear... Uh, sadly. But it's tied everywhere else at the top half of the ladder. Now, North Melbourne's this is five consecutive losses. It's really hurting them badly, Jules. Yes, and uh, look, North don't have a lot of supporters, no. and to people who don't follow no. AFL, I have no. an accurate representation of North's second half of the season. Here okay, it is. Right, okay, I, I see that. Here we go, right to yeah, the top. Yeah, going so well at the top of the ladder. Except <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> that has a soft landing. <laughs> <That's all North>. <laughs> <laughs> About the same amount of screaming. <laughs> exactly. Can I tell you very quickly, I left the ground on Saturday night. I was working there, and uh, as I was walking out of Eddie Had Stadium, with all the North fans, uh -huh. blaring over the loudspeaker was Tom Petty's Free Falling. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> right, is is someone having a bad sense of humour? Kids clearly. say the darndest things, as Matthew Richardson found out chatting to this youngster. If you win the AFL NAB Oz Kicker of the Year, what are you going to do with the $5,000? Get a ferret and get a motorbike. A ferret? <laughs> I like that. That's different.
Every year to Sander, a ferret and a motorbike. <laughs> Fer ferret first. Yeah. <laughs> motorbike second, if I've got enough change yeah. from the ferret. Uh, the places life can take you with a ferret and a motorbike. <laughs> Coming up, Jules, unique take on the Tour de France. We'll have a swing and a miss with this week's top five. And is he the next Shane Warne? Pakistan's own spin king cleans up England at Lords. More finals here at stop six than any other competitor on the championship tour. And he's found the best way to the final yet. Huge float. Still has plenty of speed for this turn. Leads on that back foot, releasing plenty of power and has more wall to work with down the line as he releases that tail. That's got to feel good. What a comeback. Amazing. I haven't had a bath since Mick Fanning's running with that shark last year, yet he's gone back into the surf at the same spot at Jeffreys Bay and he won the event. That's amazing. His mum there watching. It's, what a story. It is. What a story. Absolutely. And not because, you know, the shark thing we didn't show you there, but the most amazing thing was I think during one of the semi finals, there was a little bit of a few guests around him in the water. Just some dolphins going, look, hey, it's, the, it's that guy, shark guy from last year. It's really Isn't it scary? fantastic to see a pot of dolphins with a sense of... <laughs> <laughs> this will be a lot. I've got a yellow ring around me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> just amazing. He is just a phenomenal athlete a and a great cookie, bloke, isn't, isn't he? That's a great story. All right, uh, Australia is talking up its Olympic chances big time, looking to double the medal tally from London. Now, we were hopeless in 2012 crash, but it's a big ask, isn't it? 16 gold medals. That would take them into what you'd think around in the top five. Yeah, we, we do it every time. We get so darn excited because we only see Australians versus Australians in our national yeah. titles. I've got us down for 12. I reckon that's that's about tops. And that's good, you know, like from, to go from eight to 12. New Zealand is stalking us, of all people. They'll, they'll, they could be, get about 10. And Great Britain will be probably just ahead of us, our other big rivals. Somebody who is looking for medals of different colours is Cameron McAvoy, but he's said to be ready to pull out of the 200-metre freestyle, focusing on the 4x100 relay. I think that's on, on the same day. And he wasn't lying to, you know, break that six-medal record from an Australian athlete. What I love about Cam McAvoy, he's at uh, Griffith University studying applied mathematics and physics. Yep. Really? He had this great quote earlier, and he says, it's a great double because when I'm in the lab, no-one knows I'm an elite swimmer. And I presume it's also the case that when he's on the pool deck... No one talks about quantum entanglement. Yeah. <laughs> They're just two completely separate worlds. I love it. I'm not, I don't want to talk about it here either. <laughs> is this story real? And I'm not sure if it is. Aussie swimmers have been given special sunglasses to wear in Rio that turn night into day and then help you get to sleep after competing. I mean, I, I know that the finals are late at night, 10 o'clock or something, they start crash. Yeah, look, it's a really interesting theory. I'm prepared to, to have a look at it and see how it goes, but... If you put glasses that turn night into day on, OK, at about 11 o'clock at night and it brightens everything up, your senses brighten up just that little bit. And gold medals are won and lost by this much. So if, you know how when it's sort of... Even though you're, it can be darkish at 11 o'clock, even though you're inside a floodlit pool, your senses flag a bit. Now, they're going to give this a go. We'll know after about day two. They'll either all be wearing them, pool deck, or 
they'll just say, nah, this doesn't work. We must work. do our best work I... after 11 pm, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's by the cheap service station ones? My dad wears them with the panels on the side. <laughs> yeah. Don't let any light in. It's a message to your body. It, it just so you can, boom, spark up your senses, get moving. Just quickly, uh, Russia, the news today, no real surprise, the call for them to be banned completely. You know, oh, gosh. I, I was at Sochi, and this annoys me because uh, the Russians were doped to their eyeballs, but the media weren't allowed to buy a beer. beer <laughs> 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 in the stadium, so we weren't to be trusted. <laughs> and they've got to go. O honestly, it would be... Don't even bother lighting the Olympic flame. Are you confident that they won't be there? Not 100%, no. no. Because there's so many delegates voting on yep. it, so many different voices, and they do have some Political. pockets of, of sympathy. They have defrauded... World sport. It's an absolute scandal. They have destroyed the careers of honest sportsmen. Look at Jared Talent, poor old Raylene Boyle. Mm. You know, I mean, that's a different story, but back in the 70s, dotted from two gold I medals. Wonder, no sympathy they should Imagine go. if an Australian loses a gold to a Russian. Yep. That story. Mm. All right, look, we talked about the high tech Aussie Olympic sunnies. Doesn't matter how good the glasses are, they do nothing if you don't put them on your eyes, as Arizona's Jake Lamb discovered. Look, he comes here, the ball oh. on the shoulders. But what was he thinking? Look, there they are. <laughs> eyes on your eyes. Yeah, yeah. They look so much cooler like that, Jake. <laughs> You're not street enough these days. No, no not street at all. Exactly. He's pointing up, oh, it was the sun's fault. Here in baseball is how you take a catch. It's just done brilliantly. Uh, and over he goes. I love here, the official comes over to see if he's taken it. Yes, he has. I kind of dispute that because you see when he comes out, there's the ball, and there's cheese on the mitt. And if you look closer, there's also... That's, that's landed a nachos, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Uh, right there. <laughs> to cricket, where Australia has beaten England, well, in a roundabout sort of way. Pakistan actually beat England, by, but any loss by England is a win for Australia. Yep. Yep. Now, they're very good, though, Pakistan. Yassi Shah continuing an amazing young career. Ah! Ten wickets in this ma match crash. He is sensational. He is an absolute freak of nature. No bowler in yep. the history of Test cricket has ever done better than his 86 wickets in 13 tests. No one's ever played 13 tests and taken more. He, he, this is at the ground where they got done for match fixing last time they toured England. Have a look at this. This uh, young lad is the number one bowler in the world on the rankings, and it's totally justified. Australia couldn't play him. England can't play him. He could be something really special. And it's exciting for us because Pakistan touring this summer with three tests. Well, and I'm here to tell you, Australia have not lost at the Gabba since 1989, the first test against Pakistan under lights next summer. That could be under threat if they reproduce this form. Knowing Pakistan, they'll come out in two days yeah. and, and go down. But they had a training camp in Abbottabad just up the road from where Osama bin Laden was shot. Seriously. And it's really hardened them up. Yeah, yeah it does tend to focus. Yeah. <laughs> just, just quickly, before we get away from Shah, who I just love watching bowl, but I love it because the comparisons are already there with our own Shane Warne. And there we just split the screen with a left-hander bowling to uh, Strauss at Warney. He rips a little bit further, doesn't but he? But the guy yeah. on the right here is yeah. stepping across, exposing all three stumps and trying to balance behind it square yep. leg. Yep. You can't. It, He's trying to get out. Yeah. Andrew Strauss has done the right thing and left that and been beaten by a brilliant ball. The combination, the similarity between these two blokes, and there's very few bowlers that can do it, Warren and uh, Shah can attack and defend in the one ball. And you can't score off them, but they can also get you out. The amazing thing was Warney used to wear sunglasses that convinced him on the field that it was 11 at night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there were models from the sun. Unstoppable. Mohamed Amir, you, you mentioned, of course, the match-fixing. He'd, what, a five-year, I think it was, he'd served his punishment and some time in prison. He took the last wicket at Lords. That's a pretty good story as well.
Oh, it is. I mean, he went to jail, yeah. you know, and, and there was some doubts. Three of his teammates said, we do not want to play with this guy. It just corrupts our whole team. Everyone will laugh at us. Now they had a bit of patience. They've got a brilliant captain, Miss Barrel Huck. He said, look, show a bit of patience with this kid. And they've rehabilitated him. It's a lovely story. I love the celebrations around that and their captain, Miss Bartlow Huck, because he would think it was his oldest man uh, to score a century in 82 years, at, at 42 years of age, uh, it, which it does so brilliantly then. I liked his celebration. This is all a little bit about, uh, as you talked before, they did do the kind of boot camp because they were judged. I think Mickey Arthur said they weren't fit enough. So he does the push-ups after scoring 100. And then when they win the game, uh, yeah, they yeah. all come oh, out no. and do the same oh, thing. Oh, that's great. Can you imagine Booney doing that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 down on his game, breathing it awesome. out. He's the coolest guy in international cricket, Miss Butt. And about, he's so relaxed about six years ago. He's a businessman. He's a master of business. And he went to work on a Friday afternoon and said, if I score runs in club cricket on the weekend, I'm going to be a continuous professional cricketer. If I fail, I'm just coming back with my briefcase and I'll give it away. And he made 90 and look where he's ended up now. Genius. All right, to the Tour de France, uh, where weird stuff just continues to happen. One of the big talking points this week was Chris Froome, and it was part of this, running up the back of the motorcycle, which is just a great way to go. Damages his pushy. Uh, and then he just decides, you know what? I'm going to have a run instead of just riding the bike. And off they go. Straight <laughs> up the hill. Bit of panic room, I like to call that. <laughs> panic panic room. Bike. Suddenly yeah, it's a triathlon. Yeah, we only need a quick swim with yeah. <laughs> And he's got it all. He's got it all. Brilliant. OK, now, uh, after the serious stuff, I guess our Tour de France correspondent, Jules Schuller, what have you liked? Uh, well, we all know the selfie stick. We see it in a lot of sports. Mm. But, of course, French. the French have a certain theme for their selfie sticks, and this was done. It's a baguette <laughs> stick. Obviously, you wouldn't find a deodorant stick anywhere in a French convenience store. Selfie bread stick. They've got a bread stick as a selfie camp. And uh, this that is another. That is great. I it love great, that. doesn't it? That's brilliant. It's really making me hungry watching that. <laughs> and another great thing I saw, because no one wants to see wet lycra. It's hard enough seeing sure. sweaty lycra. Yeah, yeah. So when uh, the riders were finishing stage the other day, someone gave this gentleman an umbrella. <laughs> Fantastic. He's obviously taking the race very seriously. That is nice. Only at the Tour de France. OK, thank you so much. Special correspondent, Jules. Uh, just back to the NRL for a quick second. How good was this air swing from the Warrior Sam Lassoni in the wet in Perth? Here he goes. His field goal attempt at the death <laughs> against Manly. Again, the ball kind of plugs. Oh. <laughs> just one more time for him, for his benefit. Oh. He's missed that by a long way. I love the way the first camera followed the ball. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Come back. Which leads us to this week's top five sports where an air swing is an embarrassing possibility. Look, we'll start with more rugby league. Oh. Terry, Terry Campisi, one of the gents. This is a few years back. Uh, I just love Terry's work. Oh. This is famous Noel Creel, SCG. Oh, Unforgettable, this. Show it again. Stay of origin. Well done. Noel, number four, AFL. Let's go to the AFL. Uh, Bombers, Sam. Uh, oh, well, this year. <laughs> I just love it. There. And still with the AFL. This is actually... Oh, the best. Hey. <laughs> Number three, tennis, tailor-made for oh, air swings. Uh, yeah. Our own Sammy Stowe's are there. The big forehand yeah, didn't quite work for him. Uh, Marin Cilic wasn't much better. Oh. He gets it second time around, though, uh, as he comes and still hits it out. Uh, <laughs> he was dizzy. He was, that's right. Number two, football, uh, William oh, Gallas. Uh, this up. is a shocker. Because oh. the great thing is it also ends, as you'd expect, in a goal. Oh. With a non-air swing. Yeah, that's right. Goalkeepers oh, are also oh, susceptible. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, 
And that's always going to be a bad look, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> but our number one goes to golf, obviously. Uh, Kevin Nah. How far have you missed that boy? Wow. Lee Westwood, uh, one of the greats, uh, he has an absolute air swing, which is brilliant. Now, Dan Berger, who misses the ball and loses the club uh, as well. <laughs> Just from the other end, misses everything and uh, away the club goes. Brilliant. And Shaq O'Neal tops off, look at that, the top five. In front of the White House. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put it away, Shaq. Put it away. Coming up, one of Aussie Netball's great personalities, Shani Layton, joins us next. This has been a promising start for Caitlin Twice. Shiny Layton, she was all over that ball right from the start. Not much in it. And how good is this from Shiny Layton? She's just got a little tip on it. But that is a crucial miss. So this for the biggest lead of the match. Yeah, yeah. Drive along the baseline from Ramel Aiken and finishes with the goal. What a move from Ramel Aiken. Not quite the perfect finish, but the fairy tale result for the Queensland Firebirds. They're in the box seat for yet another grand final appearance. Yes, the Firebirds have won the Australian Conference again, beating the Swifts in Brisbane last night. In the middle of that battle, barking instructions and flinging the occasional elbow was our guest Watch tonight, Johnny Layton. <laughs> Hello, Hello. Be close and welcome. <laughs> uh, look, I know how much you love losing. Uh, how yeah. grumpy were you after that? What do you mean, were you? <laughs> no, right, yeah, still yeah. hurting. I um, don't love. A loss, but um, there's always a lesson to be learned. And, you know, we're just super lucky that it was an elimination final. We've still got um, another week ahead of us, which is exciting. So back onto the training track and working super hard this week. Ramelda Aiken, uh, you had an amazing battle with last yeah, night and I have had before. She is, uh, she's such a tall girl. Uh, mm, how really? Did, yeah, yes. yeah, I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that kind of physical thing, do you enjoy it? Yeah, oh, I love it. And I guess for me, you always want to play against the best and that's what Ramelda is. You know, she's got a good nine centimetres on me. Um, and look, let's face it, she pushes me around a little bit. I definitely give a bit back, but I think um, I probably end up on the ground. But it's always such a good contest and no one expects me to get the ball. So if I get one, even if it's just a fall like that, it's um, a bonus for us. So like to yell a little bit too. <laughs> there is, look, I've just got one suggestion for you. I don't know if you ever thought about it, given that she is a very, very tall yeah. girl. Maybe next time you, you could try this method. Yeah. It do, does seem to work very I'm open well. To... Yeah, so, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to laugh because I was actually at training and I suggested that to Rob. I've only seen that once before. I said, Maddie, get on the ground. The only thing is, I would have actually broken Maddie's back. So I said, all right, you step on mine. But I'm up for anything, honestly, because you have to. I just can't get up that high. I've tried putting springs in my shoes, I've tried the high. Heels, well, but especially up there against them, because I get the impression it's a big house and the it crowd is a... really get into it against you guys. And oh, I presume mate. you'd be a fair bit of the focus of the crowd's attention. Yeah, and look, it always is such an advantage having that home crowd, but the Firebirds crowd 
just next level in regards to, like, we don't really sledge out on the netball court. I can't do it because I can't follow it up. But um, the crowd really get into it. You can hear them kind of yakking behind you. And I went for a ball last night. I actually got a bit of a tip to it, which was amazing. Um, and uh, someone behind me has just yelled out, oh, she's not that tall, um. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> mate, like this. <laughs> like, a little bit closer, but... I, I, I can only presume uh... it's not the first time that guy's had a girl say that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. With my ego, I might just match her heart. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Shani, a lot of um, elite athletes, talented athletes, when they come through, have to make a decision between two sports. We know mm. footballers have to, you know, AFL, basketball, or whatever it might be. Yeah, you had to. You had to. Yes, you were multi-talented. Oh, I don't know if I was. Well, you had to pick between two sports: mm. netball and equestrian. Equestrian, that's right. Yeah, just because I love ponies, I love animals in general. I don't know if anyone's seen my Instagram, but yes, I own three black cats. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I did horse riding, and I just loved it. Oh, it was. Uh, yeah, that was my pony, Aussie, and it was really hard for me. The first year I went up to Canberra, the Australian Institute of Sport, um, Simone McInnes, who's now the Vixens coach, was the head coach up there, and she's like, Chance, do you want to move to Canberra? And I said, yep, no worries, but um, only if I can bring my horse with me. So I ended up taking it up to Canberra, um, but it was just too hard trying to juggle the both of them, and I thought, you know, I don't give netball a red-hot crack, and at the end of the day, you can always end up riding horses after. You see the people in the Olympics are still going hot at 60, so... It's not over yet. Is, it, you, is that serious? No, you... I'm dead serious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I yeah want to get another horse as soon as I'm done and get on that competing train again. I love it. Well, so you've got careers post netball because I've, I've already got one, well, one of your fans from the other day uh, watching Shiny's with PM. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that sure was if... legit, by the way. Yeah. I don't know if you saw my little box on the election paper, but <laughs> I put it on there. <laughs> yeah, too right. Shiny, what about body language? It's uh, we have an eternal fascination for it on the panel and. Really. I reckon your body language is as strong as any female sportsman mm. in a sports person in Australia. You stand so confident and you're ready for battle. But it looks almost like, where did you get it from? Everyone's got some reason. Was it natural or did you have to work on it? Yeah, no, it was. it is natural. Um, it's definitely a confidence thing when you walk out on the netball court. But for me, my motto is like physiology creates psychology. So you know if you stand up, you stand tall, you just feel better. And it's almost a bit of that... Um, intimidation factor, but I did also work with um, dogs at a doggy daycare when I was in Adelaide, and I don't know if you've seen Season Alarm, but it's all about, like, you can't obviously talk to the dogs. Um, I don't know if they understand you, so it's all about body presence and being, um, I guess, the leader of the pack to keep everything else in order. So I kind of go in with that mentality and... Keep everyone in line. <laughs> you, you, you would intimidate yeah. some poor poodle on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I'd like so to hang bad. Out the it would, it, so bad. It would worm itself. I ask about 21st because there are actually more people on this panel that attended my 21st. Yeah. <laughs> they were mainly catering staff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I heard you had an interesting theme for yours. I did. I uh, had a theme that was dress up as Shani, past, present, or future. Uh, <laughs> so just in case I didn't want to make it enough about myself. And I had the invite, as you know, in the newspaper, it's the Who Am I? Mm -hmm. So I was like, Who Am I? Born January 6, 1988. Um, you know, did horse riding on my sports, went to this school, back for this football club, used to be a removalist, you know, so people could just kind of dress up as what they wanted on the back. It was like, if you got one to two points, you're not invited anymore. Mm -hmm. If you got uh, two to three points, you could still come, <laughs> but you had to bring a really good present. And you had five or six points and you could come no matter what. So, yeah, we had a great night. <laughs> you... the, the, the voice. Look, you do have a, a, a loud... Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you in libraries or at the movies? Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> From every library in Australia. But funnily enough, I 
walked into Virgin Lounge because um, we're flying up to Brisbane on the weekend. I walked through the front door talking to Abby McCulloch and she said something incredibly funny. She's a very funny girl. And Rob Wright and Kim Green were on the other side of the Virgin Lounge and they walked in and they like, did you just laugh? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Gosh, has been banned from Don't... online libraries. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Quick question: yeah. we, we saw the Australian swim team with the mm. the glasses that change the light input so that fool your body as to what time of day yeah. it is. No, have we're you... not wearing goggles in the pool. <laughs> but have you been exposed to that sort of technology when you guys um, travel? Or not in regards to playing, but yes, in regards to travel. So for us, um, you know, 36 hours before we go, um, we start to adjust our time to say if we're going to the UK, okay. um, we have to be on the UK. Time. So if it's during the day, then we get as much light into our eyes as possible. And then at UK night time, we then have to put on our eye patches on the plane and stuff so that we can't... Um, yeah, so that you adjust quicker. So that way, by the time you get overseas, you don't get as much jet lag. So we get full-on, like, schedules two days before about how much light we need to get into our eyes and for when we get home So the, well. the days of Liz Ellis getting paid $25 yeah. a test match, we've, we have come a long way in this we sport, have, haven't we? have, and thank you to the Lizzie and the likes who have got us where we are today, that's for sure. And we're going even further next year because it's a whole new look competition. How you, exciting. You grew up in Melbourne. I and did. the team that you love more than anything in the world I is, don't know how much I love them this year, though. Collingwood. In a quiet moment, have you sat back and thought about maybe an opportunity that could come your way playing for the, the football team that you grew up absolutely no, loving? No, not at the moment. And for me, I'm all about being in the moment. Like, I love my meditation, um, I love my yoga and stuff. And like, this is the last year of the ANZ Championships. We have two games left because we're going to win this weekend. And, um, you know, what are you doing if you're not living in the moment? We've got next year to be in next year. I think it is so exciting. I think the likes of Collingwood, GWS, Melbourne Storm, the fact they want to be a part of netball is incredible. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm so grateful that I can be a part of where the sport's going and grateful to be a part of that. You so, well, yeah, you're right. You have to finish this year. For, you head to New Zealand, you play the yes, Magic, and of course you play the Firebirds, I'm assuming, to win the grand final. Congratulations. Thank Love you. Love to have your company here. Thanks, Terrific. Crew. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, our champ of the week and our epic fail. Stick around. Welcome back. Are there not enough sports in the world without people inventing really, really stupid ones? Now, in England, someone's decided that putting soccer and darts together <laughs> is the way of the future. Yeah. Don't like it, Tony. It won't impress me. Because mm -hmm. it's called foot darts, is that right? Yeah. Pole vault darts. <laughs> so you get in a Velcro suit, you yeah. pole vault. Yeah. Smash. Yeah, exactly. Great idea. Yeah. That's, that's a version of darts that you don't just have to be drunk to play. You have to be drunk to invent it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather put boxing and shooting together myself. Right, let's get to this week's epic fail. Uh, now, coming from a reliable source of failure, the hurdles. This is Sweden's Ellen Westerlund. Look at this in the blue shorts. Oh. 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 Nice plant. Down she comes, yeah. Oh. Bang! Ooh. Little chin on the ground as well. It is the great spot for it, the hurdles. It should well, be a separate channel, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hurdling mishaps. <laughs> Hurdling mishaps. Alright, American Deontay Wilder retained his WBC heavyweight boxing title, but also picked up the Dancing with Stars title. If you have a look here, there he goes. Version of Ozerobe. Yeah, and then bang <laughs> at the end. Absolutely. Boxing meets Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, time now for our champ of the week. 
And we searched for some Aussie success and came up with Will Powers' win in Toronto. Takes him within Shani Leighton shouting distance of the IndyCar <laughs> Championship lead. Uh, well done, Will. But that's not all. While the big boys were at Troon, Aaron Badley was flying the Good flag in the USPGA. Winning, there is that. that, the Barbasol Championship in Alabama. It's, he hadn't won, Kel, since 2011. Uh, and there's the family, look at that, all 15 of them. Uh, picked up a lazy $800,000. Well played, Aaron Badley. Well played, you team. Well played, you. That's where we say goodbye, but we will see you next week. This has been a production of Fox Sports.